Hey everyone, grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Friday, April 3rd, and I am with my really good friend, Al Abdullah. Want to say hi, Al? Hello. Um, as you know, we've been uh, focusing on this week grief and lament in light of COVID-19, in light of our world completely being uh, hit on pause, all social systems and travel and sports and Hollywood and economy just shut down. And as it all shuts down, there's all kinds of different things that were collectively grieving and lamenting. There was an article this last uh, that came out last week that Al and I have been talking about, Harvard Business Review article about the discomfort we are all feeling is grief. So I thought I'd have Al on and him and I just talk about how we're processing grief, how we're doing it in real time, things that we're, how we're doing it, um, how we would as both as pastors help people grieve and lament, how we're trying to grieve and lament. So yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself and like what, where you're at right now in, in, in this, how you and your family are doing, how you've been grieving, that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like I've been getting that question a lot. Obviously, all, all of us have. I think that um, I, I'm particularly sensitive to it because my family and I are in the midst of a transition right now. Yeah. About a year ago, we decided to transition away from lead pastoring the church that we founded eight years ago and step more fully into executive coaching and um, and and continuing pastoring in, in a different capacity. And um, so our plan has been to relocate back to California. And when this thing hit initially, you know, there was fear that set in. And then it was, um, it was, I, I didn't identify the stages at the time, but there definitely was a sense of uh, denial. It can't be that bad. And then mm -hmm. there was the sense of uh, a loss. And ultimately, I think that I've come to places of acceptance that um, the dreams or the ways that our dreams were going to unfold may not unfold the way that we imagined them. There may be some real difficult times, um, whether it's financially or, um, you know, however it would look relocating. Um, and so when I answer that question, a lot of times I'll, I'll say, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, I feel like we're doing, for the most part, probably 80% really well. Mm -hmm. And then every day there's pockets where there is um, irritability for me. And um, maybe I, I even feel tingles in my body in certain ways, you know, and it's important. I think it's been important for me to, to, um, to recognize that and name it because um, there is a, a sense of sadness on top of sadness, the grief of, of leaving people that we've loved and we've lived with for so many years on top of now the very real possibility that we actually might not see those people in a collective gathering the way we would have had this not entered our world on top of the tremendous amount of grief that we're seeing all around us people in our community are part of the medical field just like yours and so when you see the people that you care about um, experiencing a lot of a lot of sadness, overwhelm, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really, it's hard sometimes to distinguish between fear and grief, I think, um, mm. in my, in, in my personal self. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that kind of, they show up differently. Like when I'm, when I fear, well, actually, no, as I think about it, they actually sort of manifest themselves somewhat similarly, but, um, how I would process both of them would be different. Like for me, when I, when I, when I'm, I'm afraid, or when I am grieving, I try to grab the steering wheel. I try to get control. I try to control the tailspin. I try to control everyone around me. I try to control my own emotions. Mm-hmm. I try to control my environment. And when I, when I fear I do that, when I grieve I do that. But I feel like the outcome in both of those are different, right? So the outcome yeah. of like fear is I I actually it's not a it's not a grief. I had to sit and like how am I imagining like you know the way that you have taught on it before. How how do I imagine? the future without Jesus in it. Like that's basically what I'm doing when I'm fearing and imagine the future without Christ in it. Um, and grieving is a little different invitation. Grieving is like processing my emotions in real time. Like there's probably under my, under this fear, um, a lot, something I should be grieving the loss of something, um, some sort of emotion that I, I, I need to feel in my, in both in my body and in my spirit, like to name those things. I think that's important to name what you're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it begins to um, put it into the light. I think anything that when it feels like it's in the darkness, it feels much scarier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what for you, you know, I've heard you say this. I've said it too. We hear it all the time. Um, our world may be changed. It might, this might change our world forever. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what you mean by that because we're already feeling a, a lot of losses. Like this week yeah. you won't be teaching during Easter, which you've done for yeah. 10 years now. And um, there's losses around uh, kids graduating. You know, my daughter was yeah. moving on the big graduation from sixth grade to seventh grade, which is <laughs> yes. as we know, huge. Um, <laughs> but what, what do you mean when you say, um, or when you hear the phrase, this might change things forever. And how does that create a sense of, how, how might you imagine that creates more grief or even fear? Yeah. When I, when I hear that, or when I say that, when I say that, I, you know, I think of nine 11 and how the post nine 11 world was different than the pre nine 11 world. And that moment, um, changed America. I think it even changed uh, the world in some ways. Um, and I think this is more global in its sweep, more mm-hmm. sudden. Uh, I think of even just something as trite as saying Disneyland shut down one day for for 9-11 and is shut down for over a month for COVID. Like, this is that. Like, everything is shut down. And I don't think it'll just simply come back online just the way it was. I think there'll be all kinds of things that a lot of almost i mean to be dramatic some ptsd behind this like mm-hmm. i think even i've been even thinking how like with covid our weapons are somewhat the 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 i mean our bodies are the weapon like our, mm-hmm. our bodies are what people are afraid of and it's so strange yeah. to walk down the street when you go on your walks that they recommend you go outside and walk it but stay six feet apart when someone sees you they walk in the other direction or they dodge and like walk in the middle of the street it's so weird to feel like their body and my body are carrying, they could be carrying the weapon that, you know, continues this whole, 
It's just so weird. I think this will change maybe even our theology of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it'll change the theology of the body. It'll have us ask questions about theology of the body, about like what we believe about the body. How do we actually, you know, people are going to say, been saying, you know, when, when we, we all get back to normal, it's going to be so amazing is to be in the same room and hug each other but may, maybe but or maybe there might be all this residual stuff we're hanging on to like i don't know if i want to hug you i don't know if you're clean i don't know if you're like i don't know what's gonna do i just don't i just don't know what it's gonna do to our psyche and so i think for that like could change the way that we act and interact how we see uh things that are online i think we'll either hate zoom after this or we're like, no, that's the, that's what life is now. Zoom. I don't know. It's gonna. I bet I send a change, and so there's parts of that that I'm, I'm grieving. Like, wow, how is this gonna change the face of the church? And there's a way that I, I, th- I thought the church ran, but in the back of my mind knew that it was also fragile, and now that might be coming apart at the seams, and it's gonna look different. And am I ready for this new world? That sort of thing. So that's kind of what I mean and what I say around it and there's a lot to lament there a lot to grieve i've been trying to do that in my own myself this this last couple of weeks just grieving um but then also trying to plan what the future might look like so and that's what i hear yeah, that, when i when i when i hear it that's that makes a lot of sense and what you just said that final piece right there that that's a tricky piece that's been a tricky piece for me because a lot of you know i mean you, we've talked about this um, because of my own battles in 2016 with depression, with fear and anxiety. I had to do a lot of work, a lot of mindset work. And a lot of that was like um, sports psychology work. It was uh, work around optimism, grit, a huge, um, a huge like champion for me of doing that work was Viktor Frankl, who faced a lot of loss, man. Four concentration camps he went through, lost his wife, lost his parents in concentration camp. And he started to develop a, a frame of mind of mental toughness. So I've done a lot of work around mental toughness and um, resiliency, right? Emotional regulation. Here's the rub, though. Um, it's become more easy for me to stop assess where a situation is and say oh that's that's gone what's in front of me let's move forward and i'm not always sure how to how to categorize mental resiliency and emotional regulation and optimism with also proper grief like the two seem Mm. that's a new one for me does that make sense? that's really hard yeah for sure i think I, I think right now I've been reading, gosh, I've been reading a ton of stuff around all the things that we fought over or all the things that we tried to optimize or all the things that we tried to actualize four weeks ago feel irrelevant right now. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to reconcile them. Maybe that's the, that's some good work, but like all the things that I'm actually trying that I was trying to do like four weeks ago, seems like, you know, even even like how I slow down and how I rest and how I Sabbath seems to be completely different now. Like life is just slow. Life is just a slow, ordinary life now. And I feel like I'm, the, 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 the disciplines and the, are, are like different now. There are different muscles I have to use. I, I've been using a certain set of muscles for so long. I've been preaching the, 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 I've been preaching the, the gospel of like 
put your phone away and put your computer away and be still and be silent, all this other stuff. And now the whole world's having to do that. Like the whole world, uh, like the first week of this podcast, I just said, it's like, we're all forced in this uh, sort of monasticism. Like we're all, um, we're, we're all monastics right now. And it's so weird. It's so strange. And I don't know. I, I don't know how to, how to reconcile those two, all that, that the world of optimization and then this, this world here. That's why yeah. I say the world's changed. It feels like it has just overnight. It's crazy. That part's yeah, really crazy. A, yeah. And adapting too, you know, to this sudden change, sudden massive change. It's, it's heavy. It's bizarre. Yeah. How would you, um, okay. So let's say, you know, you, you're, you're a pastor, um, even you've been working as a coach recently. Um, if I came to you as someone who's like a fairly upwardly mobile person in my career, and then I'm just hit with this, like hit with grief or hit with sorrow or hit with whatever, how kind of walk me through how you would, um, what, how you would sit with me, how you would allow me to process my grief. Um, I think, well, first I would, I would be still with you. I'd start by just being still. I think mindfulness in this moment, prayerfulness, um, silence, meditation is so important, you know? And, um, so I would just be still with you for a moment and maybe even a minute or two. And I would just walk you through a body scan and, um, just allow you to begin to become aware of what you're feeling in your body. Um, and also when we were done, I would just ask you, what is the emotion that you feel one or a combination of five core emotions? And then just to name, um, the thoughts that you're having. So it's body emotion and thoughts or story. And just to begin to name that narrative, um, that's probably where we would begin just to create awareness. Yeah. I love the naming. I think that naming thing can circle back to that Harvard business review article. Cause it said you have to name your uh, grief, like naming it is part of it. Um, naming it so that your emotions could have motion. You have to name it. That's like the first part. And it sounds like you're, what you're saying is very similar naming what's going on in your body, naming what's going on in your, in your mind, um, naming the story that you're believing and you're living into. I think naming it is like such a huge part of it. Um, naming the monster, so to speak, you know, it yeah. goes, I think of like, uh, the, the first season of stranger things where it was the scariest season. Cause you didn't know the monster. You only saw glip like bits and pieces and the effects of the monster, but you didn't see the monster. And then after you, after you saw the monster and it was named, you're like, Oh it's, yeah, whatever. I take that one. It, off. It's you know, it's it, like, it goes that way with any alien story. You're like, ah, once you see the alien, it's, I'm not even scared. Yeah. Once you exactly. And it's, that's the scary ones when you don't know them. And I think a lot of people walk around not naming what they're feeling or not naming the part of their, their body that feels out of, out of whack. I think God made us holistic people and we're supposed to feel these things. I, I, that's why I love, I've been in obviously in the Psalms and, and, uh, lamentations and like, like when, when people who have a relationship with God enough to be able to complain to God, 
to lament to God, to say, you forgot about me, God. Like, I feel forgotten right now. What's going on? Like, that kind of, you're able to name um, your tears. You're able to name your sadness. I think, uh, I think we need to learn that. You know, I've been talking about that this week. I, I don't think the Protestant church, the Western church, the modern church, the successful church really knows how to do that well. And so unless we learn how to do that right now, um, man, we're in trouble. Like we, we, this is something God's inviting us into. I, I fully agree. And think about like when Jesus, he, he calls out the demon, he tells them to identify their name, you know, there's oh, something yeah, powerful totally. when that happens. Yes, so, that's so you good. know, I think that once that happens, when he's like, what's your name? It's like, oh, well, this is just Beals or whatever, you know, the uh, Legion. Legion, this is, yeah, totally. And Gosh, that's a um, good, it's a good way of thinking about it. Naming but, and, it, yeah. And, you know, I think, Dave, I want to say this, because I had the privilege of leading your men's retreat last last mm-hmm. uh, October. That's so good. And um, there's a culture of, of masculinity that's not accustomed to actually saying the words, I feel really sad right now. Hmm. for whatever reason. And um, I think no matter, you know, race, class, gender, whatever the background might be for any individual, there's real power to saying, I feel sad right now. You know, you and I have done that before. Many times. Yeah, totally. We have. You're reminding me of this. I've been saving this uh, for a podcast or something. It's like my favorite book right now. I read it almost every night before I go to bed. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Have you read this? I just heard about that. I just bought that book, actually. I'm waiting for it. It Dude. should have been here, and I forgot. Gosh, it's so good. Um, hey, read the, read the so, part where he says, read the part where he says, um, sometimes it's just enough just to get up again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so many things in here. I got it. I bought it uh, a couple months ago. I was in a monastery, and um, the monk behind the 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 counter of the bookstore I was at was reading it and he was just crying and laughing at the same time. And, um, and he's like, uh, so I was like, what are you reading? And he said, Oh, this, um, this book here. And he said, go buy it right now. So I went and bought it. And, um, and it's so I, anyway, you, you make me think of this one, uh, this one page, it says, and the horse, which is the regal, strong character in this book. And uh, the boy asked the horse, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. Mm-hmm. Help. That's the bravest thing he's ever said. And that, um, and the paintings <laughs> so and drawing. But anyways, the help. And I think um, the strength of naming, like, I need help or this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling sad. Like those things are so important right now to be able to say to our friends help or say to our friends, I'm sad or say um, to hear someone else's sadness is like such a huge thing right now. Um, and yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's so important right now. So and huge. It, it, when, you, when you do share that with each other, it builds authentic connection. Every time you and I have ever done that yeah, instantly. Also, um, it, you know, it, it, there's a vulnerability to that that really builds a connection that I think we all really long for. Yeah. Um, if if we have time, can I just name two other quick, I think, helpful postures that we can have in times like this or times of grief in addition to naming it? 
Yeah, totally. So I think also um, naming what you can control right now is really important mm. because, um, and I, I did something about around this recently um, where I, I mentioned I drew a circle and in the circle I named everything that was in my control. Um, and it was came from a time of feeling fear or grief, right? And um, outside of the circle was everything I don't control right now. And it's helpful to be able to name what I don't control. There's a lot of things that we don't control. And that's really what we're finding and actually grieving, I think, right now, particularly as Americans. And um, we can't control when we leave the house anymore. We can't control, you know, a lot of those things. I mean, I guess um, to some degree you can. And and what I can control are my thoughts and my actions, right? And so I can mm, control yeah. how I'm helping to, um, um, you know, physical distance right now. And I'm helping the cause of slowing the, slowing the curve. I can control the thoughts that I'm entertaining. I can control the narratives that I'm having. Those are things that are in my control. I can control the way that I'm responding to um, how I want to react to grief. You know, I can, I can disregard it and I can binge on something or I can, I can just begin to name it and process it. So I think in addition to um, naming what I can control, there's also a sense of like, how can we right now build strength and begin to imagine what life will be like after we come out of the situation that we're currently in? I mean, what, one thing we do know is that um, good, bad, or ugly, it won't always look exactly like it looks right now. And so who am I wanting to become beyond this? I think is a huge area that I learned actually from Frankel, like a vision for who I want to become through grace. You know, I think it's really important. Yeah. Something that you uh, said to me uh, earlier today was like, you know, we're allowing this to, to make us to become the kind of person on the other side of this that we're proud that we were when we were in it, like to almost visualize coming out of this, how did I treat people? How did I respond? Where did I go? What did I binge on or not binge on? And and especially for people like followers of Christ, I wouldn't want to say like, oh yeah, just during this time, I was like the best version of myself. I really was. And I yeah. saw my I saw growth in my life through this. I saw patience. I saw prayer. I saw petition. I saw lament. I I actually, on the other side of this, I like I became a, I become a better person through this. Mm -hmm. I think we all want that story, um, but in the moment, it's way easier to like eat ice cream and watch Tiger King. Like it's way yeah. easier to do that and to like not not press into the the hard stuff. I heard this neurologist say one time. Um, he was actually talking to his daughter, and he. He gave her the, this piece of advice. He says, I want you to love that which loves you back. And he was really talking about her brain. Like, I want you to love that which loves your brain back. So there's certain activities that are just not going to be helpful for you in the, in the long run. So uh, regardless, I think, of where anybody is faith-wise, in this season, love that which will love you back. There's certain practices that are going to love you back that, you know what I mean, like that, that are going to create wholeness. 
and there are certain practices that are not going to love you back and I'm not going to mm. love others in you know in the long run Gosh, as well. that's really really good that's that's really good uh, would you close us in like just a, uh, a practice um, sure. as we end yeah um, I want to invite you just to wherever you might be just to take a deep breath begin to let your eyes just fall closed and um, I'm going to breathe on a count of three and you just want to notice the flow of air in your nostril right now and so uh, you're going to inhale for a three count and then you're going to exhale for a three count and that's one and we'll do that four times and we'll start over again and I'll watch the clock and we'll do that for a minute and as you're doing that I want you to notice what you're feeling in your body right now wherever that might be and then when we come out I'll ask a couple more questions and we'll close so three count inhale three count exhale that's a count of one count to four and start over again we'll do that for a minute just pay attention to the flow of air in your nostril and be gentle just whatever thoughts come in you can name them thinking worrying fear and let's start now You can notice the soles of your feet on the floor, your legs on the surface that you're sitting on, with a dignified posture you begin to sense what you're feeling in your stomach and in your chest, let your shoulders hang down, relax your jaw and the space around your eyes. That's a minute. We'll come out of that. What were you feeling in your body right there, Dave? Like location-wise or feeling-wise? Location. I felt uh, a heavy chest. Mm. Yeah, heavy chest, heavy shoulders and chest. Yeah. What's your feeling right now? Sadness, anger, fear, joy, creative energy. Yeah, I, I've been feeling creative energy, but it manifests itself in like uh, fear. Like I get anxious around my creative energy. Mm. So I have creative energy that I'm afraid of it because sometimes the way I... I express my creative energy is by like, ah, everyone do this, that sort of thing. Yeah. And last question, what thought 
are you having or were you having? Um, the thought I, I kept on thinking was, um, I have, I'm having a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> this is my mind. My mind keeps thinking. I'm like, I'm having more thoughts right now. That's good noticing. Yeah. And so that's a practice I think that anybody could do wherever they're at. Just take, man, the, the, during the course of your day, set one or a couple of intervals throughout your day, set a timer for five minutes, just begin to breathe begin to notice what you're feeling in your body, name it, name the thought that you're having. And doing that in prayer is powerful. That's what David essentially is doing in the Psalms. And I'd say also mm. getting into the practice of deep breathing. When you can take deep exhales, it tells your brain that you're safe, uh, that you're not mm. having to be in a place of, or a state of fear or panic. And um, and you know what? In this time, I think it's it's wise to do a couple of hard things while you can, if you're able to, you know, take a cold shower, go for a extended walk, um, you know, fast from a meal. Um, and that builds a sense of strength and resiliency. Hmm. I'm not on that cold shower train, but I will, <laughs> I will take your advice. <laughs> Al, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you.